How do you lead from a place of understanding, especially after a life-changing diagnosis? We uncover this and more in today's episode with our special guest, Tracy Johnstone, as she shares what fires her up when investing in her team. Stay tuned to her inspiring journey from diagnosis to direction. This podcast is a proud partner of the Lima Charlie Network and Heroes Media Group and sponsored by the Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me, and joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming turmoil into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And feel free to connect with me on all the social media links that are there, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. You can always drop me a message. I'd love to hear from you. And today, our guest is the incredible and amazing Tracy Johnstone. So welcome to the show, Tracy. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. And Tracy, I have to say thank you to Kevin Elliott for introducing us. Mm -hmm. And he's such a a kind soul. So I appreciate that he knew that you had a story to tell and would want to tell it. Even though I don't have your bio in front of me, would you um, kind of tell us who you are? Sure. I'd be glad to. Tracy Johnstone, live in Panama City Beach, Florida. So along Sugar White Sand beaches here. Um, been in the McDonald's restaurant system for about 30 years. Was a franchisee in the system. Became an approved operator about 15 or 20 years ago. So what that means is you married into the system, but you weren't a franchisee of record. So you go through a pretty arduous process of approval um, to get become a franchisee of record on all those stores. Our family company was Johnstone Foods Family. Um, so actively ran and managed that for the past 15 or 20 years or so. Um, Being in the McDonald's system is a really big sentence, short sentence, but a a big broad meaning there. Um, It means you own restaurants, but it also means you're part of that national brand, Mm -hmm. being part of of that, the largest restaurant system in the world. Beautiful. And it really kind of plays into what we're going to talk about today. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? 
You know, when I, someone asks me what something means to me, sometimes the way my brain works is I want to decide what it doesn't mean to me. Yeah. Um, and in thinking about this podcast today, that was just exactly where my head went. Um, and I think in our restaurant industry, which, you know, has been very front and center during the pandemic and whether it was the effect on the industry at large or just mm-hmm. the lack of staffing that we've all experienced in some way, shape or form in our industry, what it's not, it's not about compensation. It's not about benefits. It's not about paid time off. It's not about insurance. All of those things matter front and center. And we have a tremendous responsibility to make sure those things are competitive and meet people's needs. And we're having ethical practices in our application of those things. But that's not what it means. So what it means um, in it for me, and especially when you think most of our, so many of our employees enter for the first time into the workforce with us mm-hmm. as a brand um, yeah. and with the industry as a whole. Um, so is helping people reframe who, how they see themselves, helping them shape the meaning of how they see themselves. So when folks come to us, whether they're 16 or, or 56, they often come, they all come with a story. And oftentimes that story is not reflective of who they really are and what they are really able to do. And it's our job to invest in them and hold the mirror so they can see the possibilities and the opportunities that exist. Wow. I love that answer. No one has ever said it that way. Uh, And you're so spot on. It is investing in people can be, of course, financially, but you're really taking it a step further and, you know, talking about taking that compensation off the table of what it's not and really focusing on the potential of each Mm -hmm. person and not just the potential, you're really helping them reframe how they see themselves. So how does it feel as a, an, 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 I will say a leader in the restaurant Mm -hmm. industry, how does it feel to know that that's the gift that you're really giving your employees? Right. You know, when you think about folks that come to us, oftentimes um, they come from a background of being told what they can't do. You know, you'll never be anything. You'll never have anything. You'll never accomplish anything. The gift of being able to help them redefine that and see themselves differently and change their worldview of what they see as possible for them. It just doesn't get any better than that. I always say, I really don't care what work I do next in my journey. I just want to make sure it's meaningful work. And there is no more meaningful work than helping people um, see themselves and become their best self, whether that's the resource of a scholarship, whether that's the resource of a conversation. And, and I've had hundreds sitting in the, in the dining room of a restaurant over a Diet Coke and saying, okay, what's going on? You know, what's wrong? What can we do to help? Just seeing people. Um, and not just seeing through them. When you have a lot of employees, it's really easy to just see, look through everyone because sure. they're another person and not letting yourself be that leader. You know, you said something extremely profound that I just want to pick out of there was that it, you ha- you do meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think so many leaders in today's world kind of forget that. Because they are looking at the bottom line. They're looking at, you know, their shareholders and, and the profit mm-hmm. and, and what is this about? But you're right. really taking it a step further as a leader and focusing on meaningful work. So I love that. So take us back to Tracy at a younger yeah. age 
before she, you married into this a company, mm-hmm. right? Right. You married mm-hmm. into the marriage, right. but you married into the company. Right. How did you know meaningful work at a younger age and knew that was something you wanted to do? Or was it something that just kind of came up in your experience in the restaurant industry? You know, I really think that connected with me when I was probably 12 or 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And I realized, and I hate to use this phrase, but there's no other way to put it, that I had a gift of connecting with people and coalescing people to do something together and collaborate and do meaningful work together. And that was, of course, very by accident at that age. My first experience in that was being in youth group and Mm -hmm. we were going to have a car wash, no social media back then, right? right? Um, right. We were going to have a car wash and the way you advertised anything locally back then for free was on a local radio station. Mm -hmm. You got a public service announcement. You got the DJ to sponsor it. So we were going to do this car wash for our youth group. And it just never dawned on me that uh, it wasn't my job to promote that and to bring everybody together. So I proceeded to contact every radio station and gave them a blib. About 24 hours later, my mother got a call from the church minister and saying, we just heard the church on the radio. Can you tell us about that? (laughs) Um, What's going on? (laughs) So so I had taken it upon myself to do that. But that moment, and I'm sitting here telling you that story 50 something years later, that moment is when I realized I saw the world differently and I wanted things to be good and I wanted them to work. And I knew I had a way and a a method, you know, and a gift to be able to help that happen. So I don't think that ever left me from that point Mm -hmm. of knowing that it was my job to to do deeper work, you know, with folks um, and connect with people and and minister to them, quite frankly, and serve them. Mm -hmm. I tell people, if you want to do missionary work, all you need to do is step behind the counter at any McDonald's. There is a whole mission field right there of people that have unmet needs that you can serve. Mm, that's beautiful. And, and and you're right. I mean, it's not just the employees, it's the customers as well that have unmet needs. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. So yeah, sure. before, again, before you married into the company, you know, what were, what path were you on? Did you graduate high school? I'm guessing at the top of your class and you're like the president <laughs> and the leader and you are just going to gung ho take over the world. So what path were you on before this? Definitely a path of what I call academia. You know, I knew I wanted to teach, um, did my bachelor's degree, um, and then went, you know, right into working on my master's and then moved right from a master's into the world of McDonald's, completed my master's before I could get approved as a McDonald's franchisee, if that gives you an idea of how arduous it is to be approved, and which I think is a wonderful thing because it's not, a, I, nothing is a give me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's important for all of us. But um, in moving into that, I just saw my t- myself as a professor. I worked as a professor for 11 years as an adjunct, teaching um, public speaking, you know, different small group communication classes, and just thought that is who I will be. And then, of course, found out the longer I was married, the longer I was in the McDonald's system, that I could do all those things within that business mm-hmm. model as well yeah. um, and made that connection that, you know, we sell hamburgers, but we're really in the people business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that worked for me. I could do that. You know, I didn't want to just sell hamburgers and make money, but when you make that connection that we're in the people business in this industry, that works. I think you're spot on. I think so many, oftentimes companies will look at what their product is and their product mm-hmm. is actually, like you said, they're, we're all in the people business right. because right. even though it's, it might not be the product as a people, 
you still might have, you're selling to people. So you're still in the people business. Yeah. Right. No matter what. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And so now um, we had talked off camera, you've really hit an obstacle and Mm -hmm. things have kind of shifted for you. So tell us a little bit more about that. In October of last year, um, you know, found uh, a lymph node that was a little enlarged. And that one office visit went to being told at MD Anderson that I have an aggressive form of breast cancer mm. that is now highly treatable that 15 years ago, 40,000 women a year died from the type of breast cancer I have. Mm. So if you think, I always think breast cancer research is something that happened a really long time ago. Um Clearly not. You know, I've had quite the education and schooling in that, but uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And as you know, that's like anything like that. You hear a grounding moment. You put a stake in the ground on the day you hear that news. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, that becomes your tether for every decision you make going forward. And that includes time with family. That includes, you know, just that reprioritization of what you're doing. Um, So made that reprioritization, decided I didn't decide. I had a knowing that it was time to sell the restaurants. Mm -hmm. I found out on a Friday and by the next Friday, we had a deal on the table to sell our restaurants. Wow. That doesn't happen in the real world, you know? So it was unquestionable that that is what I was supposed to do. Um, I did that primarily running the restaurants as a piece of the puzzle of what I was doing, but it was also a wonderful beautiful seat at the table at the national level with the McDonald's system and national leadership roles. I was the incoming chair of the Women's Operator Network, which is a 400 plus women group of, you know, women owner operators in McDonald's. We're a diversity organization. Um, I had been and was leading the COVID response for the McDonald's U.S. system. So um, took that role and that was an outgrowth of having leading the response locally, you know, with the Hurricane Michael that we had a few years ago. So I was doing that, had an elected seat on the OpNed board, which is a national, you know, advertising board for McDonald's who we we do the work to make all the, you know, the buys and the and the background work for the commercials that you see. So loved the the variety and the texture of what I was doing within the brand, but there was no way to maintain all that and get the treatment that I needed. So um, I knew it was time to sell and I knew there was another chapter and it was already being written for me before I even had, you know, had time to pick up a pen. So So I love that you said you, you, you knew that you have another chapter because it was already written for you. So I just want to, ask and talk about a little bit about two things. One that's showing up is alignment and the other Mm -hmm. one is faith. So as a leader of of, of several thousand people, it sounds like um, not just within um, your own restaurant system, but within the national McDonald's system, which is just uh, kudos to you, honey, kudos to you you for being able to run all that. How often do you find alignment is often overlooked in mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah, very much so. And and that being intentional about yeah. what you're doing um, and the construct that you're creating of what your life is, much less what your professional world is. Um, and that that alignment, when I'm actively managing all those things, it just about had to be aligned to make yeah. it happen, you know, in terms yeah. of calendar management, it had, there had to be alignment there. Mm-hmm. And in the women's operator network, I think that 
advocating for women in the McDonald's system. And that means a lot of things. That means advocating for them to have more restaurants, more opportunities, have their voice heard, um, various, you know, it's a lot of different levels, but it also means advocating for them by educating them. And, and the platform we were on is we were educating our women, not just saying, I deserve this. No, here's, here's why. And here's what I know. And here's what I bring to the table giving them a story to tell um, and helping them learn to tell their story effectively. So all of those things represent alignment to me. And I think when it came to selling the restaurants, um, you know, four phone calls later, you know, CPA, attorney, (laughs) my McDonald's contact, you know, the finance guy, um, everything in that transition just aligned way outside my my ability to control or influence. Mm-hmm. It was done for me. And and I don't say that often. Um, I don't think God tells me what color to paint my walls kind of person. But <laughs> when he does move and work something specific, mm-hmm. there is no question about, um, you know, I didn't have a feeling that we needed to sell. I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew that we needed to sell. And it wasn't about quitting. It wasn't about retiring because, you know, anyone who knows me well knows the last thing I'm probably going to do is sit still. Um, And I'm finding that, you know, this is this is a moment and I appreciate that word so much. This is a moment of alignment as Mm -hmm. I continue to build my circle is what I call it. And, you know, I have cold called building my circle of friends, people, people of influence that I can either help them or learn from them. Um, you know, building that circle, that's intentional work as well, but it is aligning yourself with what your path forward is. Well, and I just think that um, as, as, as humans, we get so focused on goals that mm-hmm. when something gets thrown into the way of that, like, like your path, uh, unfortunately, the diagnosis, right? It gets thrown right. in there that we're like, we can be thrown off so much that we get devastated, right? Right. Or we can For go, sure. okay, just let me take a moment, which it sounds like mm-hmm. that's what you did. You just took a moment and said, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. And that's mm-hmm. when I feel like the the real testament of faith comes in because then you're mm-hmm. trusting, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that those doors literally start opening and you... Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. Like, it's like you're doing nothing. And all of a sudden these doors start opening. And I, I want to hear, I want the listeners to hear that that is when you know that the path that you're on mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. Right. For and, sure. And I, you know, coach, what coach clients in this, like, how do you know what alignment looks like and how does it feel? And it's literally mm-hmm. like you, things you could never imagine wrapping your head around that you mm-hmm. made up. <laughs> you know, we talked about potential and possibilities earlier. You couldn't even see that this was a possibility or mm-hmm. even imagine that it was a possibility. For me, I was working with um, battered women to help them get their voice back and being able mm-hmm. to like being able to stand strong and have boundaries mm-hmm. to, to move forward in, in my coaching business. And I happened to meet a gentleman at a podcast conference who said, what do you do for your coaching business? And I said, I transformed trauma into treasure. And he was like, oh my gosh, have you considered working with veterans? And I was like, well, that's crazy you say that because they keep showing up in my life. And I knew that that was for some reason that they keep showing up because I Mm -hmm. noticed the pattern. And that's another Mm -hmm. thing I think people don't 
tend to do when we're so focused on the goal, we forget that there's other opportunities that are showing up. Mm -hmm. So even I call it a whisper, God will whisper to you like, oh, there's stuff over here, right? And so that's what ended up happening is doors then within a month, doors kept opening Mm -hmm. that I was on Capitol Hill advocating for veterans to help them find their purpose while they were in the military before they went back to civilian life. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And it's things that you go later, like, I can't make this up. (laughs) Exactly. And when you said those words, you know, you you would have never seen this. I can't tell you how many times the sentence came out of my mouth after being diagnosed as I didn't see this coming. I bet I said that. I now I'm only realizing that talking to you now. Yeah. I must have said that a hundred times. I didn't see this coming, um, and thank goodness I did, but didn't because it would have been paralyzing had I. But when it came to your point, it was just so clear that this is there is a purpose on the path, um, and I'm on a path now that I didn't anticipate. And it's not even my job to find the purpose. I just need to allow that purpose to reveal itself and mm. to live through that purpose. Um, I'm not on a treasure hunt. And what you said really resonated to me with the goals. And, and you know, of course, in corporate America, you're going to set goals and you're going to yeah. have goals and metrics, and you should. And that's part of part of that world and part of what we need to do and even for ourselves. But it, I would tell our folks all the time, it's we, we have a goal, we have a target. Um, I'd rather have a target than a goal any day, though. But we have a target that we're working towards. But if you get yourself caught in that, then you're always in a case in a state of incompletion you're never complete you never complete anything yes um you're all you're always less than because you're not to the goal yet and then as soon as you meet the goal you set another one further away um that's exhausting to live Mm -hmm. in a state of constantly chasing something so just the freedom of letting that go and reframing how people see that um, is just so empowering, I think, Um, especially for the women that I worked with, Um, you know, advocating for women, to your point, having a voice, Mm -hmm. um, no matter what your history is, you know, and I find we all have some measure of trauma. Mm -hmm. Some of us wouldn't speak of it because it's so small compared to someone else's. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't have it. Um, And it doesn't mean there's not something that shape does. Um, you know, it was a bad haircut day on that shaping of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and we feel that bad haircut the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we don't let that, you know, continue to frame our, our future. I do an exercise um, with my granddaughter and we drew three frames and talked about this is what's in your past frame. This mm-hmm. is your present frame. So now let's design your future frame. What do you want to keep? What do you want to get rid of? What do you want to work on some more? What do you want to filter through a little more? You're not sure even what it is yet. Um, that's part of where I am in what I, the work I'm doing with myself, I think at the moment, um, and the work I'm doing with women in general now and, and, you know, working on some of this leadership development with folks. Well, first of all, you just said so much goodness in there. <laughs> so first of all, I have to ask, how old is your granddaughter? She's 12. She's 12 years old and 12. that was your pivotal age, right? Mm-hmm. So you're really pouring into her. So because of all mm-hmm. the things that you have done, you are now, oh, it's overflowing onto your granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Being yeah, able to sure. take this beautiful thing and help her reframe her future, design her future. Design it. Yes. And so. Isn't that empowering? That's yes. That's an empowering sentence. I know. Just I love design. that. You're designing, 
you're help, you're guiding her to design her future, which I think about it in that regard of if we had these tools in middle school, in, you know, junior high at 12 years old, mm-hmm. 13, 14 mm-hmm. years old, our formative years, if we had the thought process or mindset of let's design mm-hmm. your future, then right. when you go to college and it didn't work out, you would go, mm-hmm. oh, guess what? I get to go back to designing. Mm-hmm. Instead, exactly. instead of looking at, oh, it didn't work out. I'm a failure, blah, exactly. blah, blah. You know, all the things that we judge and criticize ourselves about. Exactly. So yeah. I love that you're working with her. And maybe this is, maybe that's your calling. Um, and, and I also love what you said is that you don't have a clear path. You're letting it unfold, which brings me back, circles back around to faith. So how much faith do you have to have to know that something is going to unfold? Just a tiny grain on some days, as the scripture says. And then some days I need mountains of faith, um, you know, to to know that I can put one foot in front of the other and do the next thing. Um, But that faith, um, you know, I, people use the term blind faith. Um, mm. Some days you need some blind faith. Um, people say we just, you don't have to have blind faith. That's not true. I've learned you do have to have some blind faith um, and that it maybe you're blind for the moment for a reason because to take it all in would be too much. Um, and you've got to be served that in small bites. Um, and that's, you know, sort of what this journey has been for me. So, um, and looking at that, you know, the proximity of my faith is probably more important than the quantity of my faith. Um, and having, keeping all that close to my heart and close as opposed to voluminous, um, is really how you lay your head down at night and have confidence that you're doing the right thing. Mm, I love that. The proximity of your faith versus the quantity. That's, that's beautiful. I mean, I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever heard that described like that and how, how so to the point it is because, and I'm going to totally mess up the quote, but Martin Luther King Jr. talks about how, instead of looking at the whole staircase, you look at the first step. First step. Yeah. Because I feel, I feel that God will open a door mm-hmm. and you or whisper what your next step is and it is mm-hmm. your duty, I'll use that word, not mm-hmm. duty to take it and to, to walk mm-hmm. through that door and to take that next mm-hmm. step because then your next instructions come after you do it, after not that. before. And it doesn't set you up and go, okay, so you're going to walk through this and then this is going to happen. It's really right. about being, being w- willing to be obedient and just do it. And then mm-hmm. here comes the next set, the next direction. Right. That makes me think so much of of all of the employees that we have. Um, And, you know, you just take so for granted what your background has been and what your um, what your environment has been, you know, and and how you have been nurtured for many of us in such a wonderful way. Um, And how many people haven't had that. And when you said the staircase, I think, you know, I have just met and worked with so many people that have never even seen a staircase. And. Our job is to show them the staircase for the first time that there's a there's a way up, there's a way up and out Um, and you can go to the next level 
Um, but they never even knew that was a possibility. They've been doing ground floor living since they were born. Um, and oftentimes, you know, folks that have come to us, it's the first time anyone has told them that they were doing a good job or just appreciate, shown appreciation to them. Um, so I think you really can't minimize all of the little things in that. Um, and what that really means as it plays out in people's lives and taking the time to identify where they are. Um, and it'll just break your heart when you realize it sometimes. But it's such a gift to be able to work with folks. And just that one little thing you may bring to them um, changes the whole trajectory of their life um, and redefines what their normal is. You know, it's normal to be kind to people and they may have never experienced kindness. Um, I've always told folks you want people to give this standard of service when they themselves may have never received that standard of service. Um, and what we consider a common um, manners and a gesture of kindness, they've never seen that before in their home. Um, so you're really helping people learn um, what what all that means. Um, you're not making them do it. You can't make someone do something they've never been exposed to. So creating that exposure is part of part of the story, and that's exactly where I am. I'm being exposed to things that. Had I stayed in the system and just put my head down and gotten through this, I would have missed so much. I've already mm -hmm. seen that. I would yeah. have missed so much. And if you'd have asked me that six months ago, I'd have said, you are crazy. That is not my path. <laughs> you know? um, but there's not, there's not life outside of McDonald's, but there is. Yeah. Um, and that alone has been just, I don't know, just the most grounded thing mm -hmm. that I am Tracy first and then fill in the blank next. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And you, you tied this up in a bow with the word identity. And so oftentimes leaders will take their, their um, title and mm -hmm. attach it to that's who they are. And mm -hmm. so I even talked to, <laughs> yeah, I even talked to, you know, people in the military who have like, you know, um, senior sergeant or ma chief master sergeant or, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. those types of titles that they're like, well, I'm just, and then they say uh -huh. that, or they say, I'm yes. just the just. CFO. I'm just the CIO or I'm just the front lineman. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, no, no, no. I I'm just the fry guy. It's like, no, 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 no there is not. no yeah. just right. And, and, right. and I think as a society, we've learned to minimize ourselves so mm -hmm. that one, others will feel better about themselves, but also two, so we can understand that we're, we're, we, we don't get a big ego, right? Like that's such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Don't get a big ego. But, right. it, uh, but what we've done is now done a disservice. Yes. Because just like what you said, had this not happened, you wouldn't have seen that you are Tracy first mm -hmm. and then you are all these yeah. other amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. And for a moment, I grieved the loss of those things. Of and course. in some ways, very appropriate to Absolutely. do that. But, um, but you just, life as I knew it changed in an instant, you know, on the drive to the airport to go to MD Anderson, I felt like I could look in the rearview mirror and see life as I knew it and see myself disappearing behind me. Um, and to some extent, there is truth to that. And I, you got to own that too. You got to own the pain of that moment. Um, but it's not, it's not a final ruling of who I am. Um, and that's where it goes back to that identity piece. Um, I had to tease out 
me mm-hmm. <laughs> and separate all these titles that I gave you in the beginning of what I'm doing and what I'm leading and the, because that becomes you um, yeah. easily. easily. Um, mm-hmm. And then when something happens unexpected, that can absolutely destroy you uh, to lose all that. And for a hot minute, it felt that way. Um, I use the word heartbroken. Why? I was heartbroken to sell the restaurants. I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. I loved our people. I loved the culture that we built. Um, we had such a beautiful people culture in our restaurants. Um, and you can't, but what I finally realized is you can't sell that. I didn't sell that. Right. I sold an asset. I didn't sell that. That is mm. part of who we all are. We yeah. still all own that. Um, and that means we built something worth having. Mm. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. That story brings tears to my eyes <laughs> because I um, just went through a major life change as well. And so the whole picturesque of driving and looking in the rearview mirror, there is something profound about, you know, when you actually do that, it is so symbolic in what you do leave behind. And and I don't want to even say it's leaving behind. You've just kind of moved forward. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, yeah. there, there's a circumstances where you have to, but, um, you know, I cried out loud in the car the whole way to the airport, <laughs> you know, mourning that life. Yeah, of course. And I knew that, that life, I was never coming back to the life I knew before. I was coming back and I was coming back to life, but yeah. not to the life I knew before. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was painful, you know, but turning that pain and not letting that pain fester, Mm. which is really tempting to do, but not letting that pain fester and taking that pain and, you know, turn it over like a pancake and saying, okay, so what's on the other side? Um, You know, what's on the other side? Absolutely. You're flipping the pancake of pain into purpose Mm now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. for sure. Absolutely. I love that. So where is your, if you don't mind me asking, where is your diagnosis now and how are you feeling and, and what are what do you have yet to go through? So um, in a great place. I have one yeah. more chemo next week. So that is incredibly celebratory. Just you're celebrating not being sick from the mm-hmm. chemo really at that point. But the real celebration came at that halfway mark when they redid the scan of the lymph node um, that they're watching. They can't find the primary in my breast, which is a whole other conversation and very interesting and leave it to me to be some anomaly within the world of breast cancer. <laughs> um, there's a handful of us that have had that, but not many. Um, so um, that. What they were watching has shrunk 90% after three chemo treatments. So it doesn't get any better than that. So finishing this chemo, no mastectomy, which I've learned that has nothing to do with having breasts versus not having breasts. That is about the trauma to your body of that surgery to Mm -hmm. remove parts of your body. Um, To have an amputation um, is a big deal. And the women who have gone through that, I've learned it is a very you know, big deal. So I don't have to have that. Um, and then just have some lymph node removal and then a couple of weeks of radiation, which is not even enough radiation to make me sick. So I just, I just feel very discreet and feel Mm -hmm. like I should put my head down and just so grateful, um, Mm -hmm. that I've been spared so much compared to so many when you, I'm in a Facebook group of women who are going through the same kind of breast cancer I have. And you just, I can't complain. Because I'm not having to live through near what they are. 
Um, and what I'm living through seems like the, the biggest thing that's ever happened to me personally. Um, but in such a good place, my body's responding beautifully. So, um, you know, and you're not even sure, even though they tell you that's how it's going to go, you're like, okay, you're right. Okay. You just haven't told me everything yet, right. you know, but that really is how it's going to go. Um, and, and I really get to still, I get to keep being Tracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then defining my brand and building my circle is the words I use. I, I'm building a new circle of influence for myself um, and a new circle of people to collaborate with and support and engage with just like you, um, you know, taking these golden moments and, and building and doing, doing some meaningful work. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, I, I'm just curious, you mentioned about the um, pain into purpose. Well, that was my mm-hmm. word. My word was purpose. <laughs> um. So what do you think the lesson is that you've learned Mm -hmm. through all of this? Probably the biggest, there's many, but the biggest lesson I've learned um, is that I'm not in charge. Mm. And I really thought I was in charge before this. Um, You know, I felt like I was sort of ruling the world, um, ruling my little kingdom, the little sub kingdoms of McDonald's where I was in a leadership role. Um, You just think you're responsible for so much and you're in charge of so much. Um, But when the rubber meets the road of a situation like this, you realize you're not really in charge of anything. (laughs) You're really not. Um, and, And that's okay. Um, and that letting go for me. So if you're someone who is running a lot of things, that by definition probably means you like to be in control. <laughs> and when you're someone who likes to be in control like me, having that control taken away from you figuratively and physically um, within, you know, separating myself from the McDonald's system, it just talk about reframing, um, yeah. you know, somebody, somebody took my frame apart and put it over here and gave me new wood and said, build a new frame. <laughs> so, um, you yeah. know, I have, I've been building my new frame. Um, it is very much, um, it's very empowering to learn you're not in charge as well, which is mm-hmm. kind of contradictory, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it makes us realize we're not alone. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. Awesome. Yeah, and I've definitely learned that. I have a support system through McDonald's and friends and family that is just bar none. So definitely learned I'm not alone and that people love me for being me, mm-hmm. not because of a, t- a title, title that I have. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's back to that. For sure. Well, I know before we wrap up here, I just want to say how much I've enjoyed getting to know oh. you. And you. um, have your light shine through um, as you're you're sharing your story with us. So um, speaking of light shining through, what do you want to be remembered <laughs> for? What would be your legacy? I think what I want to be remembered for was um, really um, being present. I want to be remembered for being present um, and connecting with people um, and seeing seeing the need and meeting the need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of, um, empath work and that kind of empathy, mm-hmm. um, of being that person, um, and the person that's going to find a way, um, that's, you know, with the hurricane Michael work I did when we had the cat five hurricane here, you know, I felt like my job at that point in our community was just to hold a flashlight. <laughs> my job was to hold a flashlight and find the path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those two key things, you know, that I, I can help, I can find the way. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, just, I see you, I see you. <laughs> yeah. And that's sometimes all we need is just to be seen. 
Absolutely. And I love that you're holding the flashlight for your own path to find the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's beautiful too. That I won't yeah. forget that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, if someone wanted to follow along on your journey, where could they connect with you at? Sure. On LinkedIn, Tracy Johnstone on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm working with Kevin Elliott that, you know, you interviewed a little while back, um, mm-hmm. creating a blog. I've been, you know, for a couple of months now developing some content for that. So uh, just, you know, t- telling my story, you know, just telling the story not for the purpose of just storytelling, but for the purpose of lifting other people up and um, engaging and, and educating and helping people be where they need to be as well. Yeah. Well, I definitely see a book in your future. And oh, thank uh, we, you. We, we definitely may have talked about that later. <laughs> okay. Yep, we sure can. Um, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy, so much You're for being here. This was um, just such mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful time with you. And mm-hmm. before... You're welcome. And before you go, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? I think right now it's Micah 6.8. He's told you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to walk justly and to live humbly and to bow before our God. Mm, that's just, that's going yeah. back to giving up control, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I why. love that. I love that. Well, thank you, Tracy, for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. If you took notes, because my goodness, Tracy gave you some major knowledge nuggets, uh, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a, a review and you know share this episode with your friend because I guarantee you her story will inspire your friends. So uh, until next time, let's get fired up. Yo, what's up? This is Joe from the Llama Lounge podcast, a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. If you are interested in listening to diverse conversations about all things life, learning, and leadership between leaders and experts in the military as well as across the civilian industry, follow the Llama Lounge on all podcast platforms and Llama Leadership on all social media outlets. And visit our website at llamaleadership.com. New episodes post every Tuesday. We cannot wait to have you join us. In the meantime, be safe, stay healthy, and keep growing. Llamas out.